0: All right, another podcast from the Michigan Institute of Athletics in Brighton, Michigan. It's going to be an awesome podcast today. I'm actually going to be interviewing a uh, student that I had in the Reaching Higher program here at Brighton High School, and I can't wait to hear like the perspectives and insights from someone that's you know a generation after me. So right before we get into it, I want to shout out VetLife. VetLife is a 501c3 nonprofit company. It's a company of veterans for veterans. Every veteran faces difficulties when they transition from active duty Back to civilian life, and Vet Life is there to ease that transition. If you want to reach out to Vet Life, you can do so through Instagram or Facebook, or check out their website at vetlifetoday.org. So, without further ado, I want to introduce Janelle Regal. Uh, Janelle, you know, I gave a quick synopsis of who you are and how we met. You know, you were a member of the Reaching Higher program through Brighton High School. But uh, I want to start this podcast like I start all my podcasts, I want to take it all the way back, you know. Where were you born and raised? What was your family dynamic like when you when you were young? You know, what were the things that were influential to you or that you think kind of helped shape you into the person that you are today? And then we'll start to discuss some of the, you know, I- impacts of reaching higher in your perspectives, et cetera.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, my name's Chanel Regal. I grew up in Brighton, Michigan. I, uh, my family was always, like, super close. I have an older brother. My parents are still married. Um, When I was five, I started gymnastics, and I did that for about 12 years, which was, like, a huge part of my life. I spent my life in and out of the gym 24-7. I went to practice before school, 6 to 8 a.m. I didn't have um, a first hour when I was in middle school, so gymnastics was kind of like my second home. Like, I saw them more than I saw my family, and I think... When I quit, that was kind of, like, a big part of why I quit was because it was, like, my entire life. So it was, like, super hard for me to have kind of, like, a social life. Like, I loved, like, I had so many friends. I loved hanging out with them, but it was hard to hang out with them. It was hard to see my family a lot. And after COVID, that we spent six, um, six months doing Zooms, so we did conditioning on a Zoom call for six months, out of the gym, didn't have anything. And that year I was a level nine, and that was my freshman year of high school. And it was pretty hard to do that during COVID. And when we got back into the gym, it was literally like we had to reteach ourselves, like the whole thing. And I think that kind of, that, that was also a huge part. Like I think if COVID never happened, I think I might still be doing it. And that's, like, because, like, when I got into the gym, I had to, like, reteach myself a lot of things. I had to, like, get my body back into, because I practiced five hours a day, four hours a day for five days a week. And, like, going from not practicing to practicing again was a lot and a lot on my body. So my last year was my sophomore year of high school, and I, um, I was, like, debating on quitting before the season started. And my coach came up to me. And, like, they could tell by, like, the way I was acting, like, my mental state was not where it needed to be. And I was going to be doing level 9 again because my year got cut short. And she told me that she can tell that, like, I'm over it. And she said that she wants me, if this is going to be my last year, she wants me to go out with a bang. So... I decided I was going to stick it out for one more year to see if my mind changed. And I was the only person at my gym that was a level nine. And I ended up making it all the way to nationals, which is um, pretty big. I was the first girl to ever go to nationals in 13 years at my gym. <laughs> and so that was like a pretty big accomplishment. And I was really proud of myself, but I, like it still didn't change like, how much, like, gymnastics was, like, my life, and, like, how I needed to kind of, like, I knew I was done, like, I knew, like, I had to move on, so after nationals, I put in my two-week notice, and I was done, and honestly, I still, like, miss it a lot, like, I still think about it a lot, um, but I definitely think it was, like, the right choice, considering like everything that was like like I almost felt like gymnastics became a chore and
0: all right I have a lot that I want to ask you about because I didn't know any of these things it's crazy if we had that eight-week program together and I knew that you had come from gymnastics but I had no idea that you had been to nationals and your commitment level and it sounds like it was your entire identity like you were Janelle the gymnast mm-hmm. and Your self-worth and how you felt about yourself probably completely depended upon, you know, each practice and how you were doing as a gymnast. Mm -hmm. And that is extremely hard, especially when you're young. What initially probably started as a passion became like you have a fear of failure all the time, especially as you climb higher and higher and higher. All of a sudden now you have this expectation and you have these extreme pressures and you're kind of looking at it like I don't even know who I am outside of this Looking back, it sounds like COVID was like a major red stop button. It like shocked everybody. You know, you snapped awake to like, wait a second. And now all of a sudden the camaraderie is gone. You're not being forced to be in this location all the time. And it gives you time to like pause and think about your life. And it probably gives you a lot of time to think about what you value and who you are. And probably you start asking a lot of those questions like, what am I outside of gymnastics? Because now that this is not there, who is Janelle? You know, looking back, though, do you think there is a way that you could have been growing yourself as Janelle outside of gymnastics while still keeping that aspect to yourself? Because if you're a level nine gymnast and you're going to nationals and you're the first person in that school program's history, I know that probably came with tremendous pressure. And that type of pressure breaks people over time. But it also means you had a certain gift because why were you at that level? You were the first person in 13 years that was doing that. You have a gift. When you have gifts in life, sometimes they come with burdens and they, they're difficult and they it's a lot of weight to carry. And you're like, this isn't fair. Like, I don't want to have to do this. And you can put the weight down. But there might be a certain amount of greatness that comes with carrying that burden and being like, yeah, I can handle this. Looking back, do you think there's a way that you can, you know, you could have maybe built yourself during that time with what you know now or was it just like did your passion really turn to you just didn't want to do it anymore tell me more about that
1: um i don't know if it was like that i didn't really want to do it anymore it was kind of like gymnastics is a very hard sport on your body and mind like you have to be a hundred percent in the sport to do it like you have to your mindset has to be somewhere, or you have, like, the chance of getting hurt. Like, that's how it is, because you're flipping your body around, you're pounding on it twenty four seven, and you have to be in it 100%. And I think after COVID, I, you know, spending six months out of the gym, I got to know myself not doing gymnastics, not being in the gym, not being able to hang out with my friends and not have to leave and be like, I have to go to practice. And I think... Like, when I look at it, I didn't see myself doing college gymnastics. I knew I could get there, but I couldn't see myself doing four more years after high school. Like, I never got seriously injured, but my body was tired. My body ached 24-7. Like, I was tired. and
0: Do you think your mind was tired of it, too? Yes.
1: Yeah. I... uh,
0: one of the parts you had said earlier was that when I was gone for that six months, like my skills and everything weren't sharp, and I was sitting here thinking to myself, like, yeah, they might go down a little bit, but I bet you it was more of your mind that was struggling to push yourself to be the exact same woman you were before. And then if you start comparing yourself to where you once were, to what you are now, like that is a losing battle. That's, that takes you into depression. That takes you into like, oh, my God, I've made this huge step back. I've lost all this progress. I bet you it was more of like your mind wasn't where you needed it to be to be able to perform the way that you wanted to, which then weighs on you even heavier. Would you say that's accurate?
1: Yeah, I have definitely always been the person to compare, like, who I was versus who I am now. And I think, like, my season being cut short my freshman year was, like, super hard because I knew I was going to do good. Like, I knew I was going to do good that year. And then I came back, and I wasn't as good as I was. And I was always super hard on myself. My coaches were hard on me, but in a good way. Like, they wanted me to be the best gymnast I could be. And I, every time I had a bad practice, I would completely get down on myself and the whole practice would go down from there. Like, it was very hard for me to pick myself up after it was down. So I think my mind and my body were both very tired, and I just, like, I think I knew when it was time to be done.
0: When, when you were little, did you have a dream of doing gymnastics in college or maybe the Olympics one day? And if so, when did that change?
1: I had up until, I'd say, like, probably freshman year. Eighth grade or freshman year, I wanted to do college gymnastics 100%. And like that has always been what I said. Like I made an Instagram for gymnastics for college recruiters. I made a YouTube channel. Like I was ready. I wanted to do it. But between like that year and a half, like something changed. And I like I know it was I know it was mentally, like I know it was physically, I know it was everything that went into it. But yes, there was a I did want to do college gymnastics very much.
0: So if you had a time machine and we could go back and COVID never happens, you never get that break. Do you think the Janelle that would sit here today would be telling me, I have an Instagram, I have a YouTube channel, I'm going to do gymnastics in college. Do you think that would have still happened or do you think you were going to find out sometime, somehow that you needed to step away and take a break? COVID disappears. We go back in time. It's gone. That event never takes place. You crush your freshman year. You have a killer year. You have a great sophomore year. Do you stick with gymnastics?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think I do. Um, After my sophomore year, of going to nationals.
0: Yeah, tell me about nationals.
1: um, So first you go through states, and you have to get a certain all-around to get into regionals. And then um, regionals, you have to place top eight in your age group out of everyone there to go to nationals. So that was actually – so my freshman – or my eighth grade year, I was also a level nine. Um, And I went to nationals as an alternate. So I didn't compete, but I was – like, I placed ninth. So I still got to go in case a girl got injured, but the – sophomore year was the year I actually competed and um
0: when you went to nationals did you feel like you belonged there did you look around and say I can be as good or better than these women or what was the experience like when you were, did you doubt yourself when you went at nationals like you knew you were good enough on the state level but when you went to that level it was different tell me tell me about that
1: a part of me knew I was done after this year so the whole year I was like, this is my year to have fun. This is my year. And I think that's honestly why I did so good, which was because I wasn't in my head so much. I was like, this year is, like, the year I need to show, like, that this was my sport I've done my whole life. So, like, I think, like, I didn't, I, I was having fun. Like, it was a fun year for me. And nationals, like, meeting new people, being on a Region 5 team with those girls, like, It was, it was a good time because I wasn't comparing myself to those girls. I was just, I was having fun.
0: That makes sense. So you said during COVID and when you took a step back from gymnastics that you found yourself, that you found out who you were outside of gymnastics. What did you find?
1: So I was always like, um, like I needed everything to be perfect. And when it wasn't perfect, my mind would spiral and, I've come to learn that, like, my dad has always told me that, like, don't, like, try and stress on things that you can't control, and, like, I have heard that, like, throughout my entire life. My coaches, my parents, like, everyone that knows me knows I stress so much. I I stress about everything I cannot control, and I think once I quit gymnastics, it was, like, my time to finally focus on myself and my well-being and... I think it was finally time that um, that I, like, allowed myself to be able to understand who I was. And... Um
0: Did you journal during this point? Did you write things down? Did you... Was it just time with friends? Was your interactions different with your family? Did your stress levels change? Like, talk about the actual changes that you experienced that you can see now once you, you know put your foot on the brakes a little bit?
1: Definitely I got more time with my friends and family and like I said I was at the gym more than I was with my family because I went straight from school to the gym so I never really saw my family besides at night. I never ate dinner with my family. I came home and I ate what was left and so I definitely think being able to be home with my family was definitely something that I needed. And being able to kind of, like, let loose as, like, a high schooler and hang out with my friends, like, it felt like I was kind of always trapped in, like, a bubble. I was, like, stuck as the same routine every day. Like, it was school, then gym. But once I got out, it was, like, I went to school, and then I could have my free time. I could finally focus on myself, hang out with friends, hang out with family. And the stress level, gymnastics caused probably the most stress I've ever had in my life. And I always, like, had, I had a book, a calm book that I used to read My Mom Got Me because before meets I used to get, like, super bad stomach aches. My hands would start sweating. Like, it was, like, a lot of stress. And I think once I got out, that stress, like, finally disappeared. Like, I wasn't, like, super anxious all the time. Like, I wasn't sweating. I wasn't having stomach problems because, like, I wasn't stressing about gymnastics. I wasn't stressing about having to compete tomorrow. And it was just a lot easier on myself in my mind.
0: Do you think, though, that you're a much better and stronger person from having gone through what you did with gymnastics? Do you think gymnastics has set you up to live a much better life because you've had to deal with a tremendous pressure, expectations? What you're describing is fight or flight. What you're describing is that that – biological feeling consumes people when they perceive danger and the idea of failing in competition your body perceives that the same as a tiger in the bush like that's fight or flight your brain is going like oh my god you feel shallow breath You, you, you and it's physiological changes and people that are not athletes don't really understand how extreme it can get when you know the pressure of your not letting your team down not letting others down living up to your expectations like most of my best athletes are just like you in that way that they're almost perfectionists. They're extreme. They don't want to do something 95% great and they don't want to accept that it might take another six weeks to get it perfect. They want to be perfect like right now. Do you think that you're a much stronger person having gone through what you did with gymnastics? Do you think you're better because you fought that stress for a long period?
1: Yeah, I do. I think that The stress that gymnastics put on me allowed me to be able to handle my stress a lot better because um, my freshman year, I started going to therapy for stress and anxiety. And once um, COVID hit, like we couldn't um, do therapy anymore. But she used to tell me all the time that like, I used to talk about gymnastics all the time. And she used to tell me that like that seems like one of the biggest things that is causing your stress. And I think that once I got out of gymnastics, that is, like, what shaped me into the person I am today. Like, my coaches. Like, my coaches were, like, my second family. I grew up with them since I was five, and I do believe that they shaped me into, like, the person I am today. And I do believe that gymnastics shaped me into the person I am today. And no matter how hard it got, like, towards the end, like, I would never take back anything that I did. So.
0: so you value those times in your life. So when you start to step away from gymnastics, people in this life are better with a goal, with a focus, with a destination in their mind that they're chasing. Like when you have something that you're working towards, you're much better because it, it's like a GPS. If you start to get off course, you can quickly identify that you're getting off course and you're making the wrong decisions and the wrong decisions just lead you to, to a destination that you don't want to be a part of. So when you had gymnastics or the performance or, you know, the practice or the meet, whatever it was as the goal, or maybe just the level of gymnast you were trying to become, that drove you, you know, that kept you in line to becoming the best Chanel that you could be. What is the new thing? What is the new dream? What is the new focus? I know you're about to go to college, Grand Valley State University. You're about to go to college. But what is the new driving force that keeps you on track? Like, what's the vision now? What do you want to be, you know, when you grow up, when you get out of college? Like, what is the thing that is going to help bring out the best in you? Because although your therapist isn't wrong, the stress in your life was coming from how hard you were pushing yourself. But by pushing yourself that that far and that hard, that's why you're the person that you are. That's why you're as strong as you are. That uh, a life with stress... Is better than a life without stress as weird as that is and you'll learn that as you get older what's the new destination that you're seeking
1: like are you asking like what am i gonna do like after college like what's making me like,
0: yeah like in a, in a in a no just in a in a perfect world what what does your life look like in five years or ten years like what are the goals now because before it was the college gymnastics like you had a destination you were chasing now you got to wipe the slate clean you got to get a You brought out a brand-new white canvas, and I said, hey, you can paint fresh. What does it look like that you're trying to accomplish? Like, what do you want out of this life?
1: So after – or it took me a long time to decide what I wanted to go to college for, and honestly, I'm still not 100% sure. But as of right now, I am majoring in allied health sciences, and I'm going to do four years of that, and then I'm going to try and get my doctorate of physical therapy to um, become a physical therapist, but we'll see how the four years goes.
0: <laughs> and 100%, so you're gonna do like the gen eds, mm-hmm. the basic things, mm-hmm. but you think right now you're kind of looking at like physical therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. sounds like you might work with athletes because you have an athletic background. It could come full circle. Watch you're working for gymnasts. Mm-hmm. You know, what pulled you towards that path or how did that doorway open?
1: Gymnastics, <laughs> um, I was in physical therapy like quite a bit because of gymnastics and because like my body and like I said I never got like super hurt but I did have like my body aches and like the small injuries so I was in physical therapy a lot and my parents have always been like I could see you as a physical therapist like I could see you helping athletes I because you know what it's like you know what it's like to feel that pain and be an athlete and want to get better so you can go back to your sport And so I think that is honestly what drove me to want to become a physical therapist was gymnastics and just, like, being an athlete and knowing how athlete minds work and, like, being able to, like, compare myself to how I was and how they are and, like, be able to help them.
0: 100%. They'll be relatable. Like, you can look at them and understand the struggle. And being an athlete and being injured is, like, the worst thing in the world. Like, if you can't do what you love to do, we have a girl right uh, in the gym right now her name is Fallon Johnson she's one of my undefeated amateurs and she's training for this big upcoming fight and she's had to work through an injury this camp and just I've witnessed the mental struggles like she's been on a roller coaster because she wants to be able to train the way that she needs to be able to train to prepare for another undefeated opponent who's really tough and like you know when your body needs its rest it just needs its rest it is what it is and it's like a tormenting thing to someone that's like you know, probably driven like you. She wants to be perfect in what she does. So it's like haunting her when she's unable. And it's like to have people in your life they can help that process, that's someone you'll value. You you probably value all the coaches and the mm-hmm. physical therapists and stuff you had over the years. Are there any things that really stand out? Before we turn the chapter off gymnastics, are there any lessons, moments, events, specific times in your athletic career that stand out to you or people or you know phrases that were said to you that you still think are a large part of how you live today how you think today anything like that a lot of times coaches really you know they have a tremendous impact on people and they impact them way more than they realize was there a couple people like that for you in your story
1: yeah so I had um three main coaches well I have had a lot of coaches over the years but I had um three main coaches for like my last, like, five years or six years, I'd say. And um, Coach Billy was my bars and vault coach, and Coach Michelle was my beam coach, and Coach Melissa was my floor coach. And to start off with with Coach Melissa, she has been there since I was five. And um, Coach Billy was there too, but he had left to go to a different gym, and then he came back. But Coach Melissa was always, like, the person that it's, like, there are other things going on in your life and it's like she always told me how it's not as easy as everyone makes it seem to kind of like leave that stuff out of the gym because like um there were other people that told me like when you're in gymnastics you need to focus on gymnastics and not everything outside of gymnastics but it's also it's not that easy like it's not as easy as people make it seem to just forget everything else and just focus on the thing you're doing and So I think being able to talk to her and like know that she saw me struggling like she saw when I wasn't in the right mindset. She knew and she was always the person to come up to me, have a conversation with me and get me like on my feet again and get me like going on the right track again. Because when you're there for four hours, you want to make the most of it because you're there for four hours. You can't do anything about it. You have to be there. And is that
0: a standard practice Four hours?
1: Yeah, we practiced on um, five days a week for four hours.
0: Oh, my God. I, that isn't. Oh man, that almost feels counterproductive because you can only just push yourself and take in so much at once. Four hours, five days a week. I don't know how that doesn't grind people to dust. Or maybe it does. Maybe the fall off rate, once you get to that level, is extremely high. My professional athletes that like fight in the UFC or things like that, I would not want them training four hours at night, five days a week. I would be like, no, go rest, go journal go for a walk outside, eat good food, get good sleep. Like these are all important things. I cannot believe that was a that was your routine. I would have thought two hours, two and a half, three tops that, especially being young. Like when you're older, if life's beat you around a little bit and you really see, well, it's like, well, it's either this or I have to sacrifice and I can have this, I feel like you're willing to go a little bit more all in. Taking a 16-year-old kid and telling them you got to be in a spot for four hours doing this thing. I don't know how they don't have like an insane drop-off rate when they get to that level. I had no idea. Yeah.
1: Um. Another thing that kind of got me thinking when you said like something about um, like you want your athletes to go eat and go rest and stuff like that. It was also very hard like to keep up with my eating. I have always been like super tiny and super small and even like compared to like. The rest of the gymnasts, like, I was always super small, and, um, like, practicing that much was, like, super hard, trying to keep up with my eating, and I, um, I even, like, went to the doctors, and, like, they weighed me, and they said I was, like, too small, like, I was too skinny, so they put me on this protein drink, and it was, like, it's hard waking up and going to school, and then... Like, I get out of school, like, when I was, like, in elementary school, middle school, you don't get out of school until, like, 3.30. And my practice starts at 4.30. So, like, it doesn't give you a lot of time. And, like, yeah, there's, you eat school or you eat lunch at school, but, like, that's not food. That's not real food. Like, that's not the food I need to be eating when I'm working out and practicing 24 hours a week. And... uh, so, and then, like, coming home, like, I wouldn't eat dinner with my family, so it would just be, like, the dinner that was, like, left, and, um, I, like, I feel like I've always had, like, a lot of trouble with, like, my eating habits and, like, trying to keep up with eating and finding time to eat, and, um, I don't know, just, like, got me thinking that, like, you, like, want your athletes, like, to go eat and go rest, but it, it, Like, it wasn't, like, that easy for me because, like, I when I tried to find time, like, there wasn't time or, like, I wouldn't, like, I was young. I couldn't go and drive and get food, you know. Like, I had to find what was at home. And my dad has always told me, like, you got to eat the protein. You got to eat the right food. But I'm, like, I don't know what to make myself. I don't know how to make myself. I can't go and drive. Like, I couldn't at the time. And, yeah, it was just, like, hard to.
0: So I bet you. Right below the surface, there was a ton of struggle that was going on throughout the story, but you were probably, I'm picturing that you were just this driven gymnast that was going there, you're crushing it, you know, you're putting high expectations on yourself, but your family probably sees like, man, our daughter's a rock star, so they're not really thinking about the difficulties of these type of things, because that makes perfect sense to me, where it's like, When I'm hearing your story, I'm going, how? When you said four hours of training, five days a week, I'm like, I don't know how she kept her sanity for that period. Because unless you have, you know, Let's say if we could go in a time machine, you could go back and, and show that kind of pain and difficulty to your parents. Maybe your mom would help you meal prep. Maybe your dad would be like, you know what, with how committed you are and the fact that you want to do gymnastics in college, like we're going to get you a nutritionist and we're going to get your meals figured out and you're going to learn this and like we're going to make sure you're getting adequate sleep and maybe you need a tutor for some of your work you know, a school. So that's not overwhelming because you have all those obligations too. then maybe it changes your course again. Maybe you you do still do gymnastics in college, but it's like you're this young girl trying to figure out the world, trying to figure out who you are while juggling something that I would not put my pros through. I've I recently I will kick my athletes out of the gym for a week if I think they're over if they're pushing themselves too much mentally and physically. I will tell them you can't come in next week. Enjoy the week off. And they're like, what am I going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Go out in the sunshine. Spend time with your friends. Play video games. Like, do something for you. But don't train. Because you're getting to a point where if you hold the gas to the floor for too long, the engine is going to blow up. And it's like... As soon as you tried to talk about that, you got emotional because that was an extreme struggle that you were juggling without the answers for how to solve that problem. It's like anyone that's listening to that. Imagine you have to go sit in school for eight hours a day. You get a tiny little crappy school lunch that is not what you need to be eating if you're an athlete. You're going to have a one-hour window where from the moment you get out, you then have to transport yourself to this location. You're running around. It's like a whirlwind. You have to adequately fuel yourself, but in a way that it's not – you know, so much that you can't train accurately, you're going to do that for four hours, and then right before bed, you have to find a way to get enough fuel to heal so that you can do it all over again. That is like... It's it's insane that you kept it up for that long. And knowing what you know now maybe just some conversations with loved ones because you know I briefly met your parents at the reaching higher graduation and they seem like incredibly supportive and so proud of you but maybe they didn't realize how much struggle you were actually going through and maybe you being like mom like I need help where I like we got to learn nutrition together or I got to start prepping my meals at night would you be willing to cook like a bunch extra dinner and I can like box them up and I can take one with me to lunch so I can get the food that I need or you know maybe that could change the course but Those are things that I think it's really good that you talked about that because a lot of people don't see those type of struggles for an athlete. They think the only hard part is training. It's like, no. Like, you got to eat right. You got to sleep right. Your relationships got to be right. If you're around the wrong group of people, that'll tear your, you know, spirit apart. Because like you said, you can't just flip a switch in your brain. You walk in the front door and you just go like, my problems don't matter. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. I can tell the quality of my fighter's life by how their emotions are regulated during difficulty in practice. I can literally see by how they're having emotional reactions if they're struggling in life or not. Because like of course it matters. It's going to weigh on you more. Your patience is going to be shorter. You're going to take your failures so much more to heart, you know. So this is this has been an incredible story so far. I want to shift to um I'm old. I'm th- in comparison to you, I'm 35. So I grew up in a whole different world than you. The internet was like kind of just coming around. Like when I, when we were growing up, you know, everybody just kind of met in a location to get together. Their, you know, phones were like big boxes that were attached to the wall and with that being said, I don't really think that my generation understands how different your world is because like with the invention of social media, and the fact that everybody is so connected and peering into each other's lives, and then comparing themselves with what they're told success looks like—like like if you don't have, you know, a hundred thousand followers and a you know blue check mark, and you know you're not this, that, and nothing, or you don't look this way, or whatever it is—that like, then you're nothing. Like building self worth in a world like this has to be way different. Talk a little bit about what the high school experience at Brighton High School was like, you know, for someone that graduated in your class? Was it overall a positive experience? Was there negatives that maybe I wouldn't even think about? How were the social dynamics? Just things like that. Like, what are the hardships about the world growing up now as a kid? And what are the things that you think, like, you know what, like, these are things that actually are pretty good. Just kind of feel free to talk about any of that.
1: I definitely think social media is, like, one of the biggest differences between, like, your generation and our generation growing up in high school because as like a teenage girl comparing yourself to like models on Instagram like girls with like a million followers like actresses all this stuff like that is very hard but I think what like a lot of people don't realize is that the like a lot of stuff on social media is fake like people don't really look like that in real life like there's so many apps that you can like change the way you look like clear your skin, like there's so much stuff, like, even TikTok, like, there's, like, filters that you can, like, make yourself look tanner and everything, it's, but it's not real, and I think, like, as me, like, when I was a freshman, I was, like I said, I was super tiny, I was, like, still, like, four foot something, like, I was tiny, I was skinny, I was probably, like, the smallest person in my class, and looking at, like, the senior girls, I was, like, holy cow, like, those girls are so pretty, like, that's like that's crazy, and, um, it always, like, I think I would definitely say that comparing is, I, I don't, I can't really speak on, like, how your generation was with, like, the comparing and everything, like, I guarantee, like, there was comparing, but not, like, the comparing on social media, and, um, with social media, it's, like, that's everyone's way of, like, communication now. It's, like, that's, like, you don't, like, go, like, meet up with someone to just, like, talk to them. (laughs) Like, you talk on social media and figure out plans. Like, you don't, like, I, uh, there's a part of me that loves social media just because it's social media. Like, everyone loves TikTok. Everyone loves scrolling on TikTok and seeing everything. Then there's a part of me that's, like, I wish I knew what it was like to grow up without social media because I feel like things would be, like, so different. And, like, also, like, another thing with, like, breakups or rumors being started. Like, breakups are really hard because, like, like, you can literally stalk their social media and be like, oh, like, what is this person doing and all this stuff? Or you can, like, stress about, like, a bunch of stuff that they're doing and, like, rumors being started, like, I think social media is one of the biggest ways that rumors are started because of like Snapchat, texting, and like no one actually knows what is going on because you're just texting about it. Like it's not going on in person, it's going on through social media. And, but I also think that social media is like a great way for people to connect. Like, I definitely think that there are positives to social media and like connecting and like finding your community with people is, like, a super big thing with social media because, like, you can look up pretty much anything and find the answers to it. And I think, like, that has helped our generation, especially my parents are always like, school is so much easier for you guys because you guys have all this technology and everything, and you guys have social media to look up answers with. I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> like, like we do. Like, I think social media and, like, apps and stuff like that has definitely made... Life easier in a way, but has also made life a lot harder in a lot of different ways.
0: 100%. Because just because the information is out there doesn't mean that it's accurate either. You have one million things you have to decipher through to determine what you believe to be accurate, correct, the right reality, the right group, like... We didn't have all that. We like we would just go to a textbook. We just like flip open our book and be like, "Well, the teacher said the answers in this chapter, so this must be the answer." It's like, you know, there are positives and negatives for sure, and the connectivity is both. You were just speaking on the duality because like back in the day, a lot of the things that people thought they kept in their head. Like you just had a breakup, you then have to watch Every person that likes a certain status, every person that comments on that and says something hateful about you, good, that girl sucked anyway. Mm -hmm. And like your brain has to see this over and over and over. And it gives a space for people. Like when people are right in front of your face, even assholes are like – they're just not as brutal to one another because like you're in person. Like people, even if they don't feel a certain way about you, they tend to keep it to themselves. Mm -hmm. So when we were growing up, if they didn't like you, they would just – Nah. Now it's everyone has a platform to to speak whatever they want to say with no filter w- from the safety of their bedroom where they can speak, "Ah, forget that girl. She's da, da 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 da." Like and it it just makes the world a little bit more venomous is what it is. It just makes people like keyboard warriors. Like the I mean, you know, in person they probably wouldn't have half the character necessary to say some of the things that they say online. They wouldn't have the courage to be who they are on the internet but they're willing to be it like that well the problem is everybody sees it and you're being judged in every single thing you do every life event going on oh my god did you hear what happened with Janelle did you see that on social mm-hmm. did you see it on snapchat it's just that's a mess you know what I mean like I remember not to throw any specific names out there but I remember like in high school like a girl had a picture spread around of her and through like through text and it was like destroyed this girl mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, that stuff happens all the time. I can't even, I've never downloaded Snapchat. To this day, I refuse to get Snapchat. I'm like, people shouldn't be able to send me a message that just disappears. That's just asking for problems. Why even put myself in that situation? If you want to message me, text me. Or, like, message me on Facebook. You know what I mean? But it's like the whole, there's just such a, an ability for the things to turn wrong so quickly that, you know, It's you guys have a lot of different struggles to juggle with that. So let's shift the chapter a little bit more. You're in high school. You're kind of making your way through the world. You have your struggles. You know, you 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 step away from gymnastics. You guys go through COVID, which like COVID was insane for me. And I'm at the time, a, you know, a 32-year-old guy like, what the f- is going on? And I'm trying to figure out my business and all these things and decipher through information I would never look at in my life. Like, I would never be on the CDC website ever. You know what I mean? And you guys had to live through that in high school. What were you like before Reaching Higher? And then how did Reaching Higher make an impact on you? And because it it's, it's a program where, for the people that don't know, instead of your normal routine, like you had with gymnastics, where you were just going through a cycle, all of a sudden for two hours out of your day, you're out of your classes and you have these outsiders, these like adults and mentors and these instructors giving you information that you might already have, but giving you some new perspective you're having to walk up in front of the room and speak you're having to open up to people that might be strangers to you so it's like a it's a foreign experience what was it what were you like before how did reaching higher impact you and then we'll start to unfold it from there
1: so like I said I have always been a perfectionist and I did not know how to handle like stress or how to deal with literally how to deal with life like I didn't I didn't know how to keep myself moving or I didn't like plan my future out like the way I needed to and like you said reaching higher like you go into this room of 30 people and it's like five mentors that you don't know there's 28 other kids that you have no idea who they are maybe you do from school but I was also there were also only two seniors in that class and the rest were younger kids so I didn't really know who they were like I I had I had no idea who I was about to talk to, and, like, I think that that was probably the best way for me to be able to share, like, the person I was, is because I didn't know them, but I got to know them, and, like, listening to everyone else's stories, like, I was always the crier. I was always the one that, like, felt the way that they were talking, like, it, like, hit me, and... I think being able to be so comfortable around that group of people really helped me, like, figure out kind of who I was and figure out, like, the kind of person I want to be because there's so many things that people go through that you have no idea. Like, the amount of stories that I heard that, like, I could look at them and I would never think that they were going through that just because of a smile on their face. And it's, I think it's just crazy that that's, like, how people, like, they have this perspective on you but they have no idea who you are. Like, they truly don't. And after reaching higher, I think that was kind of something that I needed to realize is, like, I always, like, had a thought of people. Like, the way I look at them, like, I always, like, thought I knew who they were just because of, like, like what they post on social media, like what you hear in the hallways, but, like, that's not who they are. You have no idea who they are unless, like, you're, like, super close with them, but I think reaching higher, like, kind of made me realize that just because, like, a person is, like, smiling and happy, you have no idea, like, what they could actually be going through, and, um, like I said, I was a perfectionist, I still am, like, I still love things to, like, go my way, but I think, I've like begin to realize that not everything is gonna go my way, and no matter what happens, life is gonna keep moving forward. Like things still keep going, just because like one bad thing happened, it does not mean that the next day is not gonna be good. And I think that was super big on me. Like we did eight weeks of this program, and each week was something different. And I think. Being able to be, like, my true self allowed me to kind of figure out the person, like, I wanted to be just because of these 30 people that were in the room. Like, I don't think I've ever been so comfortable speaking in front of people. Like, the first week, the first thing I said was I hate talking in front of people. I hate it. I get so much stress, anxiety. I care so much about what they think of me. I care so much about messing up. And as the week got, or as the weeks kept going, I got better because, like, the amount of times you guys told me that I'm going to mess up, but you just have to keep going. So uh, I think, like, I I can't even, like, begin to, like, express how reaching higher has affected me because there's so many different things that it did, and
0: yeah that's how you ended up in my group actually is you know I don't know if you know this but like at the end of the first session there's like a draft basically like all the kids are on a list and each mentor goes around and like basically says which kids they think they should mentor and why Mm -hmm. and as soon as we got to you I said I should be her mentor because she's afraid of public speaking the first thing that she said up there and you could see it you almost got teary-eyed about because you were so terrified of being in front of people and speaking and it's like One gift that I have is a speaking ability and the ability ability to impact people and like do things like this. Well, it's because I'm in alignment. I know who I am. I know what I believe. I know why I believe those things. And I trust myself to say and do what I believe to be right. So what do I have to fear? The fear dissolves when when you have that kind of alignment. And as an example to yourself, not to put pressure on you, you've been speaking with me for 45 minutes flawlessly like it's a skill that you've had your whole life. From being the young woman that's like, I don't think I'm very articulate. I can't speak in a complex way. I'm going to make mistakes. You have been crushing a dialogue on on a podcast. And it's what? Six months later? You know, one of the things you said about reaching higher that I really think is the secret to it is you see the shared suffering. You see other people are in pain, too instead of just looking at them on the surface and like casting judgment which like you said that's the norm that's what most people do it's it's not even judgment it's like pattern recognition like you see patterns of behavior and you create a story based off that you're like oh if they're doing this they must be that no maybe they're good kids that have a horrible home life that are terribly misguided that were abused that you know that have all kind of madness and darkness in their life that you have no idea of and when you witness that in other people and you relate to your own pain and sadness or difficulties or darkness you just see the world through a more beautiful lens cuz you're like willing to extend them grace you're like hey you're struggling and if you're trying to be better and you're trying to get your life in order like i respect that like i almost don't care what level people are in their current capacity what i care about are their intentions and their aim and if they're aiming to be better people for the world, for their community, for their families, that's amazing. If you're aiming up and you can genuinely look at your own shortcomings and you're trying to be like, I want to be better than I currently am. I want to I wanna be a good man or a good woman. I want to serve a purpose and I want to matter and have people love and value me. Man, that's like the most noble pursuit ever because there's a million roads right in front of you at all times telling you to cheat and lie and steal and, you know, be cutthroat and That stuff's everywhere. So if you choose to be a good person in this life, how can I not respect you? I really think it's the shared suffering, the way that you just said that. like You saw other people are in pain too. And then the good part of you was like, you know what? I care about those people. If they're suffering, like I I remember you cried so many times in class. It was crazy. We should have just kept a box of tissues. You know what I mean? Not (laughs) to put you on the spot, but you really did because you could see the empathy that you had for others because you know what that's like. You know what it's like to hold extreme expectations of yourself or not feel good enough or not be proud enough of your body or your mind or whatever it is. You know what that feels like. Do you think it was the shared suffering?
1: Yeah. um, I just – I thought it was crazy. Like I still can't get over like how I didn't know these people like at all. Like I had no idea like their stories and like I just – I think it's crazy how they – we're so comfortable to share those stories with like complete strangers and like none of us are the same but in a way we are because everyone is going through something even though it's not the same thing everyone is struggling everyone like has a different story to tell so I just I think like reaching higher like that was something that opened up I think for everyone is that you're not alone and you're not the only one that goes through something and that other people know what it's like to be in your shoes.
0: Yeah. So we went through that eight-week program, and it's like every kid in that class made progress. The mentors saw it, the instructors saw it, like you guys saw it. Like everybody created bonds there, and they valued each other more. And they became more than what they were before they started that class. But then all of a sudden, the program ends. You know, we have graduation, reaching higher ends. You go back to the normal school routine. What are the lessons that stayed with you or the things that you still hold as valuable? And do you think school should maybe be maybe consider something like an ongoing program like that? Because memorizing historical facts, working on, like, all these different classes— so much of this is not preparing you for life. What actually prepares you for life is teaching you how to get your mind in order so that you can be the person that shows up as present as possible, that can interpret the difficulties of life and make the best decisions. Reaching higher or programs like it, they provide that type of guidance. And it's like when I get done, every time we have a graduation, I just had my second group of kids from Brighton High School and we had the graduation. And it really made me think back to you guys. And I'm like... These programs shouldn't be so short lived. You shouldn't give these kids this little fire in their life or this little spark and then be like, all right, you know, you had eight weeks of uh, one session a week. Good luck. Schools, in my opinion, should implement programs like this for children to know that they're not alone and know that other people are struggling and really prepare them for what life has in store. You know, what do you think about that? You know, Reaching Higher ended. What are the lessons that stayed with you? What were the things that were difficult? And do you think this is, an, is something that schools should literally integrate for a healthier society?
1: Something that really stayed with me was something that you always said was about how you are going to be the only person to become the best version of yourself. Like, you're going to be the only person to make yourself be the best person you can be. And... Um, you always said that, like, when we had, like, the stress um, day, and we talked about stress, you always said that stress is good, but it's the way you take in stress, and it's the way you deal with it, and I think those were always something that really stuck with me for reaching higher, and also going back with, like, history, and English, and science, like, yeah, those are classes you should take, but you take them four years in a row, and, like, they're not that much different from what you take the year before. Like freshman year science versus like junior year science, they were not that much different. And I feel like, yes, like depending on what you go to college for, those are important skills to have. But I think the skills that Reaching Higher taught you are skills that are going to actually get you through life and get you to the point in life you want to be because – Reaching higher skills are skills that you mentally need and skills that will help you push to be the best version that you can be. But the classes you take in high school are classes that just don't do anything unless you're going to go into something in college with that. And... um.
0: You you made a great statement. You made a great statement. And and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, like, these are the skills that allow you to be healthy, you know, in your mind, in your life. And if you're doing your best, thinking your best, operating your best, being able to make goals and handle stress and, you know, work on your communication ability, and that is going to pay dividends in every single thing that you do. Like, so what if you have knowledge, but you can't articulate it? So what if you, you know, know historical fact, but you can't sit in a stressful environment in the job interview of your dreams and portray who you are to the other person? You're, you're, the doors are going to get closed in your face that are meant to be opened. So you're about to open a brand new chapter. You're about to go to college. You're about to go to, you know, Grand Valley State University. I'm sure there's tons of stress with that what are your expectations? When do you start? What do you think, you know, this next journey is going to be like for you? How is the Janelle that, you know, is going into this experience different and prepared for college than like the girl that was strolling into high school? You know, it's just the, like you said, more of a single identity gymnast. Where's your confidence level? Are you ready to take on this next challenge? you feel really good about it, you're excited for the next road. Are you more fearful, et cetera?
1: So I start um, college in late August, and honestly, I am not scared at all. And um, I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> and even though like I'm going to be two and a half hours away, that's still not too far that I can't come home. And I'm also rooming with one of my best friends, so I also, and four of my other best friends are also going to Grand Valley, so we're all, like, it's gonna feel like home because they're there. And I think a big part of me being able to be ready for college is my confidence level. Like, I was a, when I was a freshman, I was this tiny girl, like, I got to get through high school with these big kids. Like, what am I going to do? And now I'm still not big (laughs) at all, but I kind of, like, know what I want in life and the person, like, I want to be in life. So I think that makes me confident enough to be ready for college and be ready for the road that is after college.
0: I got something to say just because you are not physically imposing and you're not a big person that doesn't mean you can't show up with a massive spirit. Some of the most vibrant, radiant, powerful people I know are not physically large individuals, but they're powerful people because of the spirit, energy, confidence. They just they they just radiate a different, you know, force about them. So Even though you have physical size limitations, you need to realize if you really put yourself in order and you maximize your confidence and you show the world who you are and you don't let it push you around and you create healthy boundaries and you, you know, you, you show up as the fullness of yourself, you're going to be intimidating to a lot of people because of that presence. Like you, I don't have to really tell people I'm a professional fighter. The environments that I show up in. People just feel the energy. Like, people don't think, like, oh, that's the guy that I should just mess with. So it's not just your physical presence. You ever hear the Shakespeare quote that, you know, like, although she be little, she is fierce. Mm-hmm. Although she be but little, she is fierce. Mm-hmm. Forget your physical presence. If you show up with your competence in alignment, your morality in alignment, you and your girls are about to take on the world. And, like, you, you temper that with morality and being the best version of yourself possible. You can make a tremendous impact. The the most powerful person in the room can sometimes be the physically smallest because power isn't just from physical attributes. It's from impact. It's from influence. It's from the leadership qualities that you have. People will want to follow you because of who you are, not because of how you look. Some people might follow you because of how, how you look. Like if they're just following you on the surface, maybe they may, you know, like you said at the very beginning of the story, you were like, I looked up to some of those senior girls and like, oh, they're so pretty. They're, Yeah, if, if you're looking on just the surface, but what you want to find in life is people with depth. You want to find people with extreme character. You want to find people that in their good times and their bad times, they've shown to be stand-up people. That would be there for you, that would be there for their friends, that would be there for their family. Like, that's what you want to put your life around. And you got to keep a clear lens. Like, when you go to college, for as much beauty as there is, there's a lot of chaos out there and there's a lot of darkness in the world. And there's a lot of people that will try to damage you in any way they can. And, like, you got to let, don't let that confidence turn to blind arrogance where you're like, I can <laughs> handle any, se-. yeah, you can, but you can also identify and avoid a lot of chaos. So, I don't know if you realize this, but we have spoken straight for an hour. We've done one hour of dialogue like it was nothing, like, we, like we've like we known each other forever. Just anything else you'd like to say on the podcast, anything about the college venture ahead, anything about, you know, just thanks to friends, family, just anything else you'd like to capture in this moment in time. And then, you know, we'll wrap this thing up. And then maybe, you know, four or five years down the lo- road, hopefully you're living an incredible life. You create a story that's worthwhile to you. I'd love to catch up and see, you know, if if you, if you made it happen. So just anything else you'd like to put on here? And then, you know, we'll wrap this up.
1: I would definitely like to give a big thanks to my family. And um, my mom has always been like, The person that I can talk to and the person that I know will always push me in the right direction and um, same with my dad, but like (laughs) it's kind of hard like when it's like girl and girl, but um, I definitely think my parents are my biggest role model and my dad is the hardest worker I know. He works from home every day, gets up at 6.30 when I go to school, gets done working around five or six every day. Like, he works his ass off 24-7. And um, so I would definitely need to thank my parents for, like, the person I am and 100% my coaches for pushing me to be the best version I can of myself because without them I definitely wouldn't be the person I am. And my friends, for sure, <laughs> because, um, you know, They're they're my best friends. Yeah, they're my best friends. And anytime I'm having a hard time, I know that I can go to them. And I also know that they never push me in the wrong direction. They always push me to keep going forward. And for college, I am just excited. I am so excited for the future. I do believe that I am going to become the person that I want to be, 100%.
0: Well, that is the perfect way to wrap up this podcast. And the last thing I'm going to speak on is earlier in this podcast, you said something that has not left my mind the whole time I've been sitting here thinking about it, is you said so much of what you see on Instagram or on social media, it's not real. That is not the reality. And it's like I know that inherently when I look at those photos or videos or or just the presentation of someone's life. Like you're seeing highlights. You're seeing the most perfect perspective that they can paint. And some of them are very, they live lives that are very close to the reality that they show you. And some people live lives that, you know, are a fragment of what they portray. And that made me think like, what a weird world it is to grow up in where you have to decipher what is real. Like it's not, I mean, we didn't that was something that has never crossed my brain when i was young if i witnessed events or pictures or videos maybe cuz like the editing wasn't extreme and even cgi like cgi back in the day would probably look like a third grader tried to put together a cartoon like you didn't question what was real like you knew things they were more black and white now it's almost like you have to look at the world through a lens of everything that you consume is this real That's, that is something that I I plan to meditate on that thought, but, (laughs) but like really, I guess the only thing you can do is you can learn to trust yourself fully and learn who you are, learn what you want out of life, learn what you value and the people that you value and just like trust that and follow that path and know that the sun is going to rise tomorrow no matter what, like you said, and that a lot of people are struggling, but you know, like it's a crazy world you're growing up in and hopefully it doesn't get crazier in the next few years. Yeah. 2024 election. I am I guarantee <laughs> you, I've been saying to all my friends, I'm like, listen, gonna it is going to be a literal shit show. <laughs> like look, every four years, things get turned completely upside down. And like all of us, you know, monkeys at the bottom haven't figured out that like, guys, the circus comes in town once every four years don't go to it like we don't need to participate in this madness i guarantee you 2024 you and i are going to be laughing we're going to be watching this episode in 2024 and laughing about like yeah it's a circus but anyway (laughs) janelle it was a pleasure to sit and talk with you today i wish you the best in your future endeavors and i want you to know that like can you imagine if we could take this episode imagine the finished version of this and we could take it back to the janelle that first walked in that classroom and said this is you on a podcast eloquently speaking telling your story dropping insight and perspective this is you on the other side of fear
1: I'd probably cry
0: You oh, probably <laughs> I'll take that bet all day you cry every I single time but 100% know. like that's don't ever forget that lesson that on the other side of things that seem scary or seem difficult is probably who you want to become Don't willingly walk into danger, but find the things that matter to you and go for them. So thank you so much for joining me today. And we'll wrap this up.
1: Thank you.